Welcome, everybody, to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. Of course, my name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. It is time for a brand new episode. But before we get into that, I want to remind you, you can email us, downtherh at protonmail.com. Downtherh at protonmail.com. We take all kind of emails, suggestions, comments, griefs, challenges, <laughs> Whatever, but that's how you reach us over there. And we have great conversations, and we will always respond. Yeah. And any suggestions? I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, um, I think my midweek is going to come from a, a suggestion from a listener. Because we had one listener actually wrote in and gave us, what, like nine suggestions? And they're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So we're going to put those on the list and get to them in due time. Also want to thank all the outlets that carry us. And we were looking over our analytics, which we don't do very often, but every now and then when we're chatting, we're bored. And so we, we plow through these analytics that are given to us. And all I can say is, hello, Ohio. Yeah. We're able to break down country by country and then within the country, states or provinces. And then even there, you can go into cities and it, they don't tell you how many people are listening, but it gives a percentage, a breakdown. So you kind of know if you use that analytic, Oh, we, we have more listeners in Texas than anywhere else in the United States, and the bulk of them are coming from this area or that area. Yeah. Well, it's always been you know, Texas, California, Washington, because that's where we're from. We had a lot of people who started with us there. Florida, big population centers. Well, all of a sudden, number four on the list is Ohio. I don't know anybody in Ohio. I've been to Ohio. It's a nice place. So I just want to say hello, Ohio. I hope everybody's doing all right there. Yes, hello, Ohio. I've been there once, but I was a year old. So well, I don't really remember it. And and nobody would know who you are. No, no. <laughs> my, uh, my aunt and uncle lived in Ohio until I was like, and they moved to Washington. So for whatever reason you're tuning in in Ohio, we appreciate it. We're glad you're here. And thank you. So let's get into today's topic, which is kind of a piggyback of last week. And if you recall last week, we were talking about this island where people were sent off to in the 30s. And this was in Russia. And they, people, they would just get yanked up out of urban centers, had no knowledge of farming or anything because they didn't have their papers, whatever, they were gone. Mm -hmm. And that's very well documented. Same thing with the Germans, same thing with Mussolini, and same thing. There's a bit of it's happened here and there, but it's all well documented, and everybody knows very it well happened. Documented. Yeah, everybody yes. knows it happened. Yes. Well, what if we told you that between 1975 and 1985, that between 30 to 60 and possibly more, thousand people got completely disappeared and the United States was involved. Yeah. And uh, those years are even in question. A lot of people think it goes all the way back to like 67 or 68 and was continued into the 90s. Yes. This is a wild tale of caution. And this is for all of those out there who, when you 
say to your friends or people you know that there's no conspiracies in the government. They couldn't hide it. There's no way they can keep it on a, a lid on it. There's no way. There's too many people involved. Mm-hmm. During the time that this was going on, between we absolutely know of, 75 to 85, there was, of course, no internet, no social media, none of that. But there were reporters. There were periodicals, magazines, newspapers, all these things. And if anybody from any source got even close within 100 miles of this story, sniffed around. They were told it's a conspiracy. It's not happening. What you're hearing is not true. Go do something else. And if they didn't leave it alone, they suddenly had an accident. Yeah, there's that. So by all accounts, and these are estimates nobody really knows, 2,000 people in Paraguay, over 3,000 people in Chile, 297 people in Uruguay, 366 in Brazil, and 30,000 in Argentina. Estimates of numbers of killed and disappeared by member countries during that period of operation are somewhere between 7 and 30,000 in Argentina. 3,000 to 10,000 in Chile, 116 to 546 in Bolivia, 434 to 1,000 in Brazil, 200 to 400 in Paraguay, and 123 to 215 in Uruguay that we know of. Yeah. And so you say, well, what's the difference between disappearing and killing? Well, there's a big difference. Because some people actually made it out, not a lot. Some did. They were disappeared. And we're going to get into all the details. It, when this all broke and when yeah. it came out into the public and, and actually there were hearings on it, it sort of came out into the light of day. Nobody's ever gotten the full story, and I don't think we ever will. No. It was known as Operation Condor. And the way... I mean, there, there, like you said, there was theories of it. There was rumors. There was all this stuff. And nobody, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, this isn't happening. Shut up. Stop talking about it. The reason why we really know about it is actually kind of weird. Did you see how they, like, really figured it out? I mean, I saw several different ways how it came out. I'm not sure which one you're referring to. The one I found was the one where they basically found a room, and that's the one I heard the most. The, the archives of terror. Oh, yeah, yes. yes. Well, that was, so that, and when we get to that, that was the absolute confirmation. Yes. There were informants who were talking about it. There were people who, who escaped out of it who were talking about it. There were family members who were talking about it. And so by the time everything started, you know, sort of breaking down in this operation, there were a lot of voices and it was getting too loud yes. to ignore and so then they did put an in- inquiry out, and they found <laughs> that room with the the terror list. Did Did you see pictures of the room? I did. Where I mean, there's no fire cabinets. There's just piles. It's like they would open the door and just throw it in. Yeah. 
in estimates, they said there was a total of up to 60,000 documents that weighed four tons with 593,000 microfilmed pages. See, this is where I get my hope from, outside of my faith and everything. But my hope and my love for humanity is, by all accounts, these idiots, if they knew that this was coming to a close and people were out there looking for this stuff, why didn't they put a match to it? Yeah, burn that. It's just a room. It's it's not a very big room. No. It's all paper and plastic. I can't believe somebody didn't, they didn't send somebody in with a couple of cans of gasoline and a match and walk away. Yeah. I think somebody did it on purpose because they wanted someone to find it just to say, look at what these fuckers did. I agree. I mean, because in the documents, like we were just saying, I mean, it's pretty much the documents called the Southern Cone Operation Condor that it said in the documents, at least from what they can find, it looks like 50,000 killed, 30,000 disappeared, and 400,000 arrested and imprisoned because of Operation Condor. And for the vast majority of this time, nobody knew. And there is one there, there. There is a higher number of ninety thousand that's put forth by the Le Federation Latino American. I'm not going to finish saying that because that's a lot. I'm going to can't pronounce it. But but <laughs> some people think up to ninety thousand. But like you said, it's hard because this is the only documentation, and there was a lot that they just kind of bloop gone. Well, and they made a lot of deals when it came down to the trials and the inquiry trials. They made a lot of deals with the people who were willing to talk that they would only talk about certain things. They would only admit to certain things in order to get the really, really bad people involved. Yeah. So that's why we say a lot of the stuff we'll never know about. And I don't even think it's not even like, Oh, well it's it's in a file somewhere and it's yet to be released because it's no, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So what exactly is this that we're talking about? That was just so horrific. I say, yeah, we haven't said why they did this. This is just what they did, but now we're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about a lot of it. Basically, the United States has been willing to do anything and everything to suppress communist and anti-authoritarian activities around the world. That's what the Cold War was. That was post-World War II, finding fascist and authoritarian regimes and... They did it in Europe under this thing called Operation Gladio. This now was the basically the spotlight shined on South America. A lot of instability down there. They were trying to get rid of some leaders, prop up other leaders. And so they started this thing that was basically surveillance and suppression of votes, of communities of leaders of press radio tv you name it everything basically a full-on court press psyop everything they could to get certain leaders out certain leaders in and reshape the region into what was most beneficial to the united states Mm -hmm. basically they created death squads these groups would arrest abduct abuse people they had a political subversion and a transnational network 
According to this one article, it says, while some of these people were members of revolutionary groups actively fighting against military dictatorships, other were indigenous people, members of unions or radical Democrats seen as a threat to the authoritarian status quo. While some managed to survive the horrific detention camps, others, of course, could not escape. So basically, for 20 years down in South America, these governments, Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Ecuador, Paraguay, Peru, and Uruguay, with the backing of the United States, and I'm talking militarily, financially, whatever they needed. Mm-hmm. And a lot, most people think all the diktats came from the U.S. This is what we want done. This is how we want it done. This is what we need done. What do you need to get it done? Find the right people to do it. And all of these nations, they became intertwined in this and they could cross borders and kidnap people and send a, a secret mission over to take out that mayor or that governor or that leader and and then run back across and everybody would cover for them nobody knew where it came from and it, it all seemed random yeah and a lot of this came from you know from what happened in cuba the u.s was pissed about what happened in cuba and they didn't want it to happen anywhere else um and they wanted control. The big argument I kept hearing from a lot of people was, is, but the U.S., what they were trying to do was to prevent another Nazi party. Right. <laughs> so that's what they were doing. They were taking people that they thought were going to be bad, wiping them out so that somebody that they wanted in power could t- take over. Just like they kept trying to do in Cuba, but never quite worked. But they actually were doing this in South America with the help of multiple countries. You know, the big argument I kept hearing from everybody was if you could walk into Germany in 1930s and kill 30,000 Nazis and stop World War II, would you? That was the scenario they were oper- supposedly operating off of. Yeah. And that's be- pretty much what the thought process was. If we go wipe out a few people down here in, this, in South America, we're preventing, we're doing this to prevent another world war. Right, and the problem with that is is that it's not your country. You have no business there. No. If you believe in freedom and true democracy, and we hear that all the time, ah, it's our democracy is at stake, this will peel that curtain back, and you'll realize there was no democracy during this time in these countries. No. It didn't matter how you voted. They didn't care. In fact, it was probably best if you didn't vote, because if you voted the wrong way, you're on the list. Yes. And those were the people that would a lot of times get disappeared. They would go to concentration camps. They would be tortured. Yes, I said tortured because listen to this. Both the CIA and the U.S. Office of Public Safety, better known as OPS, provided material assistance and trained officers from Operation Condor on torture techniques The OPS supplied equipment for surveillance and trained many officers in torture and interrogation, complete with a torture manual. Man, how are you going to do it right if you're not taught? And from what I read, the tortures were horrible. They were horrific. They were inhumane. It's every waterboarding, uh, driving nails underneath, uh, like hammering nails underneath people's fingernails, hanging them upside down beating them to within an inch of their life over and over, suppression of sleep, 
loud noises 24 hours a day in small cells, uh, you name it. They would sometimes put him in a closet where they could barely move. They were standing up and they could barely move. So you couldn't sit down. You couldn't lay down. You couldn't even hardly lean against the wall because you're just propped up and they'd be left there for days at a time. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally it dropped water on them. Yeah, there was there's some bad ones. There was a couple too where I read too was instead of torturing like me per se, they would torture you so that I could hear it. Yes. Or well, torture yeah, that's family of... and friends so you could hear it. So it's like, oh hey, they're not torturing me, but if you don't talk, I'm gonna keep you know beating your wife or doing this or that. I mean, they did a lot of that. Or ones where it was like, hey, I I can get you anytime I want, but I don't want you dead. So I'm gonna kill the person next to you just so you know that you're not safe. According to this other account, it says, as part of Operation Condor, not only were dissidents targeted for surveillance, and again, what's a dissident? It's whatever they decided it was. Mm -hmm. There was no checklist as to, oh, this makes you a dissident. It, it could, yeah. moment to moment, it, it, it was really up to the guard or the, the little secret service or just wandering around going, I think that guy's a dissident. He kind of looks like one. He came out of that store, which I think is a dissident store, and you're gone. That's how that worked. But the surveillance. Like, oh, hey, I asked that girl out and she said no. So she's a dissident. <laughs> yeah. Their surveillance collaboration was encouraged by the CIA in countries like Brazil, Chile, and Uruguay. The CIA was also involved in the initial training of the intelligence and security services for Operation Condor countries. Some of the surveillance archives were found in Paraguay, known as, as we talked about, the Archives of Terror. 700,000 documents. There were documentation of meetings, photographs, and movements of anyone who advocated for social reform. Telephoto lenses were used for long-range surveillance. And anyone from a teacher to a pastor could be the subject of surveillance. The mass atrocities of Operation Condor were also documented. Overall, the archives of terror showed up to 100,000 people who were executed or disappeared and hundreds of thousands more who were imprisoned. And yet it was a conspiracy. You weren't to talk about it. It wasn't happening. And the U.S. certainly wasn't involved. No. What would we be doing down there? They would never be involved in something so heinous. According never. to this, the estimates of exactly how many people disappeared due to Operation Condor varies, but all the estimates are staggering. In Argentina alone, it's estimated that roughly 30,000 people disappeared between 76 and 83. The Argentinian dictatorship also targeted Jews. Jewish people for arrest and disappearance. Brazil estimates are 60,000. It goes on. It's just, it's in, insane. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. But here's and the way they've disappeared him was amazing, too. We'll have to get into that in a bit. We can get into that right now because this whole disappearing thing, don't kid yourself, it, could, it can be happening now and we don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because... When somebody got disappeared during this time, if they had a family or friends around, they were visited and told, you say a word, you inquire about them, 
you talk about them. We hear you bringing them up in any way, shape, or form, and we're watching and we're listening. You're next. Yeah. Or in some cases, they just took them all out. They took them all. And here's the this is a really dark side of things. So sometimes they would come into a house or a business and take the mom, the dad, and the kids. And the mom and the dad would be sent to, if they weren't outright killed, they were sent to these detention camps and imprisoned and tortured. And the kids, well, what happened to the kids? Where, where would they go? Oh, they were illegally adopted out. Yes. To families that followed the path or the, the, that, that went along. If you went along, you might be all of a sudden like, hey, here's a baby. Where'd this come from? Don't ask questions. Raise it and train it the yep. right way. Yep. Make sure this baby comes out and becomes one of us because his parents weren't. You're going to see a lot of parallels here with what's going on today. Look, this could easily happen in Canada, the United States, the Western world. This isn't in a bubble in these South American, small South American countries. No. And the United States is the one who not only set it up, but trained and provided all the material for it. That's what I think you need to understand. The South American governments didn't come together and dream this up and invite the U.S. No. in. The U.S. got all this together and went down and approached them. Yeah. Basically said, hey, we don't want these... These people in control, we want you in control. Let's help you. Let's help each other. According to some of the documents that were found, some of the torture included things like this. Piercing needles and nails under fingernails. Being submerged into a bathtub of human waste. So basically water torture in an entire tub of crap. Dunk you down, bring you up. You're going to talk, no, dunk you down, leave you down there. Uh, there was also tons of sexual violence and rape, of course. People were sub uh, subjected to electric shocks on their genitals. Many of them were beaten to induce abortion. Some of the torture methods in Brazil were taught by French military officers who had used them against the Algerian people during the Algerian War. But primarily the U.S. was teaching Brazilian Uruguayan and everybody else police torture methods as early as the 60s. This is why we yeah. don't really know the number. No. Some people say it's as early as the 60s. Some people even say that because there is one instance that's that's shown to have happened in the US because of Operation Condor, but some people think there's a couple others very high assassinations. Well, there, one, there, the was a car bomb, there was a car yeah. bomb that went off that was definitely and, and proven to be part of Operation Condor, and it yeah. killed some high-ranking officials. Yeah, but there's some other high-ranking high officials in the late 60s. You wonder who guess that would ones, be. You, know, you can guess which ones they're thinking of that they think may have been part of the, the beginnings of Operation Condor. Yeah, in fact, they denied, denied, denied about the car bomb until they couldn't anymore. And then they said, oh, yeah, it was, but... It was signed off on. It was necessary, and it was something we had to do. And whoops, sorry about that. Oops. That was pretty much their reply. From the Which technically was a terrorist act on U.S. soil by our government. It was done by the CIA, yes. Yes. Yeah, they, they planted the bomb. They detonated. They killed two U.S. 
dignitaries and there was somebody else in the car. I think they were from Chile or somewhere. So there were three in the car, but two of them were Americans because they were getting too close. They were getting they were they were having secret meetings and they were about to blow the lid off this thing. And then whoops. Like I said, you get too close, you have an accident. Your car accidentally goes boom. And there was another practice that was just it's hard to fathom that this stuff was going on. I mean, for those of you who were around in the 70s and the 80s, as far as the United States was going, life was good. Everything was mm-hmm. pretty chill. I mean, the Cold War was going on, but that really didn't have any effect. We might be worried about a bomb from Russia, but was it really going to happen? I don't know. I mean, it was kind of a boogeyman kind of thing. But for the most part, you had the local news and then you had the, the national news and you had the newspaper. And then once a week you had Time or Newsweek or something like that. That's all you got. And so yeah. this was nowhere. And you had stuff like this happening. According to this other article, many people died, of course, during the torturous interrogations. Some by accident and others intentionally. But either way, these dead bodies are piling up. Tons of them. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them. In some places like Chile, the bodies were dumped into mass graves. And in the Atacama Desert, there are thousands of remains of people ranging from student activists to indigenous elders. Just mass graves full of bones, full Mm -hmm. of bodies. Then other countries like Argentina and Uruguay we're dumping the bodies of thousands of dissidents into waterways like rivers and oceans. Some report that as early as 1977, some of these bodies were washing up on beaches. In Argentina, some people were dropped into the Atlantic Ocean by planes while they were still alive. The New York Times reports that Argentinian Navy commander Adolfo Francisco Shilingo admitted to participating in at least two death flights in which after being abducted and tortured, people would be sedated, flown over the Atlantic Ocean, and pushed out. They were unconscious, but they were alive. Yeah. And according to this, it said, typically human bodies that are dumped in waters will eventually resurface because the gases that build up in the body cause them to float. But the bodies of those murdered during Operation Condor were mutilated to ensure that they would never be found. These victims' intestines were typically removed before the bodies were dumped into the ocean to prevent them from floating. And, oh, what else does that attract? Sharks. Yeah, crabs, sharks, anything, everything. So they would split these people open. And dump, just not even wrap them. They wouldn't even like tie a rock around, nothing. Sedate them. They're still alive. And some of the, and a lot of them were dead too. Split them open and then just toss them out of plane down into the ocean. Yeah. Bye. See you later. And no one, nobody would have known about this. No. I mean, it'd still just be theories. It's one thing that always gets me so much where people always get these things. Oh, those are just crazy theories. There are so many things like this that have been proven now. 
that at some point was just a crazy theory. Well, like I always so. say, it's a conspiracy theory until it's not. Yep. The one thing that I did find funny, and I don't know if you found this, partly I did just because I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Star Wars nerd. Um, Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, his parents were Chilean refugees running from uh, the dictator. That's how he came to America. Yeah. So they were running from uh, Pinochet's reign, Augusto Pinochet. Um, they helped a someone who was against Pinochet's reign who had been shot. They'd helped the guy. And this was typical. If you help someone who was going against the current regime, they, you were bad. You were a dissident. They would come after you. So since they helped this person, they became refugees and had to leave. So they left with him. And that's how we ended up with Pedro Pascal, who is now the Mandalorian. That's a fascinating story. And if he told that story in an interview, nobody would know what he was talking about. No. You know, they, what are you talking about? That we've never heard of it. That doesn't even does that even ha did that happen? How do we know that even happened? No, who knows? Oh. I mean, he he did he mentioned it on Saturday Night Live that his parents. He said, "Here's what he said on Saturday Night Live. They were so brave, and without them, I wouldn't be here in this wonderful country, and I certainly wouldn't be standing here with you all tonight." But nobody knows what he means by that because nobody knows. Right. I, I mean, mean that... even though Operation Condor is like known. Nobody knows about it. Not here. No. Everybody down there knows about it now because when it broke wide open, it answered a lot of questions. Oh, it did. You know, where, like, where, oh, that's where, you know. Where did aunt so-and-so go? Where did cousin so-and-so go? Where did my friend go? What happened to my professor, my pastor? What happened to those kids who were out there protesting at the university? They all got rounded up. Where'd they all go? What happened to that entire family down the street? One day they were there, the next day they, they were gone. According to this, as thousands of people were arrested and disappeared, these detention centers and prisons were set up all over the place in all of these countries to, of course, hold and torture people. One detention center in Chile, known as Villa Grimaldi, is one of the most notorious of the DINA detention centers, Dirección de Inteligencia Nacional. Transforming a large estate into a torture facility, people in prison at this villa were held in incredibly small cells, barely able to turn in place. The tower was frequently used for solitary confinement. In Buenos Aires, Argentina, they had detention centers that were run by Argentinians, Chileans, and Uruguayans. So again, these guys, they were all working together, and so they could cross-border, unimpeded. Mm -hmm. There was no check as long as they were involved in Operation Condor. BBC reports that at least 200 were detained and tortured at what was originally an old car workshop. Survivors like Sarah Mendez recall how a radio was kept on at all times to drown out the sounds of torture. So you can imagine what was going on. It's, it's an old car shop, I, Im mm -hmm. I imagine. They had lots of mechanic tools, and they put them to good use, not working on the car. Oh, I'm sure. Oh. And then, of course, the illegal adoptions, that's a thing. I found this. It said, in the course of arresting and abducting people, hundreds, again, hundreds of children were rendered parentless by Operation Condor, a.k.a. the United States government and all the participating governments. The BBC reports that when Sarah Mendez was kidnapped by the Uruguayan and Argentine military, they took her 20-day-old child and claimed that, quote, 
this war was not against children. But in reality, children were taken advantage of and thrown into the crossfire. According to the paper called the Journal of Latin American Studies, there are at least 13 confirmed cases of illegal adoptions from Argentina, Bolivia, and Uruguay. Now, the real numbers are likely way higher. Oh, yeah. Probably way higher. I'm betting it's one of those things that I'm betting in the next couple of years we'll see more as more people get access to things like, you know, the what is it, the 23andMe and stuff where they can do the DNA tests and realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm not at all related to my parents or my brother or my sister. Why is that? Oh, that's right, because I was illegally adopted. In countries like Argentina, children were subsequently given to soldiers or strangers, quote, with the intention that they remain hidden from their legitimate guardians. They didn't even call them their parents. It's just your guardians. Yeah. Those people that you came with, those, are really, those weren't really your parents. Those were your guardians. That's how it works here. But now these are your guardians. But And it could be, too, that they killed the parents and the guardians were, you know, the sister or the grandparents or something. And they hid them from them because the parents, you know, they off the parents and they just didn't let anyone else know the kids lived. Yeah. In this one lady's case, it would be almost 30 years before she and her child were reunited. Yeah. And how many kids do you think are out there that have no idea? Oh, I'm sure there's hundreds, yeah. maybe they thousands. They just think, oh. You know, never even thought about the fact that their parents, that they may not be their parents' child. In Chile, under the Pinochet regime, these families often had their children abducted. Sometimes social workers told these kids that they were too poor, or the parents, that they were too poor to keep their children. In other instances, mothers would be lied to and told that their child had died. These abductions... Ah operated on an international level with kids being sent to the Netherlands, Germany, Sweden, and oh yeah, the United States. Yeah, you got wonder that, you know. what wonder what happened to those kids. Could that be part of any kind of like maybe a child trafficking ring? It could be. There's a story that we're looking into that I can't wait to do a podcast on where the CIA is involved with this really, really bizarre cult that was dealing in child trafficking. No, the CIA would never be involved. Well, I sent, you that. That, I sent you that article. Yeah, you did. That's a mind, that one's a mind blower because this is awful. This is absolutely horrible. And that one that we're going to look at here soon really blew my mind. Yeah. It's one of those things that you you can almost see where it started with the whole idea of we're saving, by taking out a few, we're saving a lot. You know, it's the whole Star Trek thing of, you know, lives of many outweigh the lives of one. But and see, that's I kind disagree, of what I, I, And I disagree with that philosophy 100%. Oh, I do too. I'm just saying that's what they're that's what they were thinking in this. They're saying that if we take out these few, we're saving thousands. Yeah, and, and it'll be great. Everything will be fantastic. This is the same thing we hear from the, the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. If we just deal with these this group or that group 
or mm -hmm. we just, you know, get off the disinformation and the misinformation, everything would be fine. Well, who's providing the mis and disinformation? Those people over there. And if we just deal with them and get them out of the way, whatever that may entail, same thing up in Canada, we get, get rid of those truckers, you know, freeze their bank accounts. Anybody we disagree with, we're just, we're going to put them over there and they may disappear. They may not. Things might happen to them. We don't know. We don't know what happened to them. They were over there a minute ago. I don't know what they did. A lot of you know who Henry Kissinger is. And this, and I know Kissinger re just recently died. And this was a massive globalist. He was the big boogeyman of that era. He was part of Bilderberg Group, Council on Foreign Relations, you name it, hung with the Rockefellers. I mean, he was an absolute globalist, one world system person, and he was doing everything he could to make it happen. Of course, he was involved in this. When it came out that his name came up, he was behind a lot of what the CIA was doing. He was sort of the mastermind behind all of this because, like I said, they needed to. This was another one of the one world pushes. We can reshape that region, reshape that region, reshape that region. Then it will all fall in together like dominoes. Problem is Henry Kissinger knew everybody. And for whatever reason, he was Teflon. He was summoned to appear several times. And he just wouldn't show up. He would reject them. One time in 2001, Kissinger was in Paris when he was summoned to appear at the Palais de Justice in regard to the dis disappearance of several Chilean people during Operation Condor. And he left France immediately. Also that same year, Kissinger was asked to testify at trials in both Argentina and Chile regarding Operation Condor. But he gave no response. And of course, he never testified. The following year, Spanish Judge Garzon reportedly even asked Interpol to detain Kissinger for questioning. But see, he's one of the elites, the super elites, or the super, yeah. super elites. So he was protected, you see. Mm -hmm. Kissinger, quote, was not interested. And British authorities claimed that they couldn't compel him to appear for questioning. Kissinger referred, to, uh, referred all of Judge Garzon's questions to the U.S. State Department, and the State Department claimed that Kissinger couldn't answer questions, quote, because he had immunity. We gave him immunity. You just get immunity. It doesn't matter. Unless we don't like you. Here's some stories of some of these people who were taken. There was uh, Maria Claudia was kidnapped August 24, 1976, in the city of Buenos Aires. A so-called task force team forced entry into the apartment where she lived with her husband. They were taken to the Automores Orleti Clandestine Detention Center. Both were tortured. Two months later, in October 1976, Marcelo was killed. And an investigation by the EAAF allowed his remains to be recovered more than 13 years later after being buried as a John Doe in the San Fernando Cemetery. A witness in the case who was also abducted and later released during the months of October declared that Claudia was more than six months pregnant and was last seen just before giving birth. According to reports, she was taken to the military hospital. She gave birth and she remained in captivity until December. And nobody knows what happened to her kid. 
There was also uh, Maria Emilia, who was born in Montevideo on April 18, 1953. She and Jorge were student activists in Argentina. On September 27, 1976, Jorge was kidnapped on the streets by a group of people dressed as civilians with no identification and they all and they belong to the Uruguayan coordinating body for the anti-subversive operations. They took him to his home where they stole everything of value while waiting for his wife. They had a baby that was 18 months old. They were all transported to the detention center. And in 2003, the Uruguayan Peace Commission confirmed in its report that Maria was probably transferred with her final destination unknown between October 5th and 6th, 1976. Her whereabouts came to light in 1983. She had been registered as the daughter of Argentine civilian intelligence agent Miguel Angel Ferti. Her true identity was restored. So the, the baby was given away. So you're just hanging out. You're just doing your thing. And all of a sudden these guys, no notification, no ID, not, hey, we're with this group. We're the police. No, nothing. They just show up. Here's another one. So these were revealed in secret documents from a 1976 Uruguayan uh, commander in chief who gave account of the uh, procedures carried out in late 1976 against activists belonging to the People's Victory Party, PVP. This paragraph refers to a group of PVP militant activists kidnapped between June 9th and July 14th, 1976. All those abducted were taken to the detention center, which was actively used as a secret detention center from May 11th through November of 1976. On July 24th, 1976, the kidnapping victims were transferred to Uruguay in a special flight ordered by the Defense Information Service and flown by the Uruguayan Air Force pilots. Between August and October 76, 27 Uruguayan citizens were disappeared in Buenos Aires, which presumably culminated in their secret transfer during a, quote, second flight to Uruguay. This group of disappeared detainees, including Juan Pablo, had all been abducted on October 2nd. So they would pick them up, no cause, no nothing. Hey, you just belong to the wrong party. You're reading the wrong books. You're distributing literature. You're talking to the wrong people. You're mouthing off. We don't like what you're saying, thinking, doing, whatever. You go to this detention center over here, and we're going to torture you. Then in the wee hours of the morning, we're going to put you in this plane, and we're going to take you to an entirely other country, which you're never going to get to because, oh, we're just going to push you out of the plane. Yeah, we're just going to push you out of the plane as he goes by. All of this was going on. I can't emphasize this enough. Under extreme secrecy. And when I say the U.S. was involved, the Congress didn't know. I don't know if the president knew. There's no proof. We don't know how high up it went. But we know for a fact that there were at least two branches of the U.S. government who were heavily involved and drafted it all up and trained everybody. Yeah. And somebody knew. I mean, obviously Kissinger knew. Other people oh, yeah. knew because they were writing checks. Somebody was reporting to somebody. Money was going out. You know, they killed two people 
right out in front, basically in front of the White House. But yeah. because it was done in such secrecy, I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think we will either. I mean, it's one of those things because the one we do know about that happened in the U.S. happened in Washington, D.C. We're not talking about it was in some random place out in the middle of like South Dakota in the middle of the woods. This was in Washington, D.C. where they blew up a car with two Americans and, you know, and, uh, somebody else. But two Americans on American soil, the CIA blew up two Americans on U.S. soil. Yeah, and according to documents that were uncovered, it said basically Operation Condor had the covert support of the U.S. government. Washington provided Condor with military intelligence and training, financial assistance, advanced computers, sophisticated tracking technology, and access to the continental telecommunications system housed in the Panama Canal zone. Again, we didn't have home computers. <laughs> there was no PCs back then. No. These computers are, were huge. They were massive. And mm -hmm. they're giving them computers. They're giving them all this training and financial assistance and technical assistance and everything. There was a briefing by the United States Department of State for Henry Kissinger, who was then Secretary of State, dated August 3rd, 1976, entitled Third World War and South America. The long-term dangers of a, quote, right-wing bloc and their initial policy recommendations were considered. The briefing was a summary of something you brought up earlier, the Southern Cone Security Forces. It stated that the operation was an effort of six countries in the southern cone of Latin America to win the, quote, Third World War by wiping out subversion through transnational secret intelligent activities, kidnapping, torture, disappearance, and assassination. Oh, but that would never happen, see? No. Like I said, that was the whole idea. If you could get rid of them before they became into power, you could stop World War Three. But the thing is, is how many times have we seen where the U.S. has gone into a country, wiped out a dictator to say, okay, we're, we're here to help and protect this country, and then worse has taken over? Or come to find out, we're the ones that put them in power to begin with. That happened in the Middle East. We all yeah, know Saddam that. Hussein. Yeah, prime example set him up, and then blame him for everything, and then kill him. Yeah. I mean, I'm no fan of Saddam Hussein, but no. they put him there. Mm-hmm. In June 1999, by order of President or then-President Bill Clinton, the State Department released thousands of declassified documents revealing for the first time that the CIA and the State and Defense Departments were intimately aware of and involved with Condor. One DOD intelligence report dated 1st of October 1976 noted that Latin American military officers bragged about it to their U.S. counterparts. The same report described Condor's, quote, joint counterinsurgency operations that aimed to, quote, eliminate Marxist terrorist activities. 
These declassified records show that the Secretary of State at that time, Henry Kissinger, was briefed on Condor and its murder operations on August 5th, 1976. But at the time, nobody knew. Again, this is 1999 when this was coming out. So for 20 years, 20 plus years, nobody knew except those that knew. If you asked, it wasn't going on. If you got too close, you were told to back off. There's nothing here. You're a conspiracy theorist. Shut up. Move on. Do what we tell you. Report what we tell you to report. There's more important things over there. Write about the Cold War with Russia. That's what we all want to know about. And if you didn't listen, you might be in a car that goes suddenly goes boom. There were also intelligence agencies from Britain, France, West Germany, who were being employed into this Operation Condor. And since it's come out, you know, Uruguay, Chile, Argentina, Italy, and some of these other, they've tried to do something about it. The problem is they were very, very good at what they did. And like, like you know, we talked about, they found this room with all these documents but very few names of anybody that was involved. No. The names that were on there were of the people that they either kidnapped, killed, tortured. They were fake names. They were people from other countries. And all of a sudden it's like, well, we can't bring him. You can't bring him in here because he's from Chile. And we're, we're trying to take care of this in Argentina. And we're not bringing them over here. Although during the time they could all move about with impunity. Kidnapping people moving people about, and so forth. It's crazy. Yeah, you'd have someone from the other country do it because then you could easily say, oh, sorry, we can't go get them there over there. It happened all the time mm-hmm. during this operation. That was one of the hallmarks of this. That's why they got them all involved and sat them all down and said, here's the plan. You are going to go take care of that country while they're going to take care of you. And it's, it was like this big chessboard. And then everybody was like, I don't know what's going on. It wasn't us. Yeah. If somebody got too close to it, they'd be like, those, they came from over there. And so then everybody, oh, now everybody's mad. If you're, let's say you're in Chile and they came from Paraguay, you could just go, well, there, that's the Paraguayans. They don't like us. And so we must all hate them now because look what they're trying to do to us, even though they, everyone's in on it. Yeah. It's a mind bending thing that this was ever conceived conceptualized put into play and actually carried out and kept secret and for so long it's amazing my, my biggest thing that surprised me the most is that they would document it at all why why if you know what you're doing is completely wrong and messed up why would you even document this in any way, shape, or form? I mean, it's a great question, and it, it could maybe go into the fact that they brainwash these recruits. They specially pick them because they know they're going to be loyal to the task. If you don't, you're going to be, well, probably disappeared or killed, killed in action. I think they are, were very careful about who they got involved in this, because anybody who they thought might be a loose cannon was kept on the outs. Yeah. I thought this was atrocious. 
In 2002, the editors of the New York Times defended Henry Kissinger, arguing that he should be given a pass for his role in Condor and other dirty works because, quote, the world was polarized and fighting communism involved hard choices and messy compromise, like hundreds of thousands of people getting killed, tortured, babies stolen. Ah, it was kind of polarized. It was, it was a tough time. But, but we had to stop the communists. Because if we didn't kill these 30,000 people, so many more people could have died because they're communists. And we all know that's bad. Right? Right? It was discovered in 2010 that Kissinger canceled a warning against the international assassination of political opponents that was to be issued to some of the countries participating in Operation Condor. He knew about it, did not give a warning, didn't pick up the phone, didn't send anybody out to subvert it, just allowed it to happen. This is a cold-blooded psychopath here. Oh, yeah. Psychopath. There's no doubt that Kissinger is a... A psychopath. No doubt. According to this other article I was reading, it said, quote, the paper trail is clear. The State Department and the CIA had enough intelligence to take concrete steps to thwart the Condor assassination planning. Those steps were initiated but never implemented. According to one of the deputies, he later acknowledged in an oral history that the State Department was, quote, remiss in its handling of the case. Quote, we knew fairly early on that the governments of the southern cone countries were planning or at least talking about some assassinations abroad in the summer of 1976. Whether if we had gone in, we might have uh, prevented this, I don't know. He stated in reference to the bombing of the Americans, but we didn't, he said. Yeah, we just didn't do it. So they knew. They oh, yeah. knew. They're like, ah, we were, ah, we're kind of remiss. We, were, we heard about it. It was chatter. But we were just, I don't know, we were, we were kind of late to the party. So whatever. That's how, that seems to be the attitude there. Yeah. So again, I'm going to go back to this point. Well, there's, there's a lot to learn here. But anytime I hear somebody say, our government could never blank, blank, blank. Where our country has never, like those guys are really bad. I'm so glad our government's never done dot, dot, dot. Well, guess what? They have. Yes. And not just ours. I know we have a lot of listeners who listen around the world. All these Western world countries are complicit in all this stuff. All of them. France, England, Germany, Australia, Canada, United States, go down the list. All the supposed beacon of light on the on the hill, shining freedom and democracy throughout the world. And I love my country and I'm huge on freedom and I love democracy. But what we're being told by these fools, this democracy that they're spreading and, and, and all this that they're doing for our safety, our good, the safety of the world. It's a lie. Yeah. The whole thing's a lie. They're doing it for themselves. And eventually, 
It's they're going to turn it on to the citizens. I mean, look what they're talking about here. Massive surveillance. Massive. So what did we get when COVID came around? We got to trace and track and surveil everybody everywhere all the time. Same thing after Mm -hmm. 9-11. It's always the go-to thing. Why? Well, it's for your safety. You see, if you want to remain free, we have to do this. And that's the same thing they did right here. And if it takes a few of you, you know, if we have to wipe out a few of you or get rid of a few of you, you know, in the end, we were, I guess we were remiss. We just, we were kind of late to the party and you disappeared. It's for the greater good. Uh, That phrase scares me, gives me the heebie-jeebies whenever I hear it. Yes, me too. Because you know, the second they tell you it's for the greater good, you're you're about to die. Yeah, it's for their good. Yeah. It's their greater, nobody else's. No, it's for the greater good of the 1%. Right. Of the the elites, not the greater good of us, for us. So Operation Condor, and it goes deeper. Now, there's a movie. If you look this up, there's a movie out there called Operation Condor. It has nothing to do with this. There are some good uh, sort of homemade documentaries, people who have looked into this. You can find those. They're usually fairly short because in all honesty, a lot of this stuff is in Spanish and a lot of this stuff, when it was all over, they just washed their hands, got rid of everything and said, that never happened. That's, that's, a, that's a them thing. It's down there. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of the records and a lot of the things that came out, it's well known in all of those countries in South America, but around here, very few know. Now you know, and you should look more into it because it parallels scary close to what we're going through right now. Yeah. And that's what really concerns me, and that's why I wanted to look into this because if they could keep this secret for that long and kill American citizens in Washington, D.C. and go, whoops, whatever. That was in the 70s and 80s. What can they do now? Yeah. It's, it's mind-bending. All it's right. M- well, you have insane. the midweek. You got the midweek, right? Yep. I've got the midweek. Um, I haven't decided fully on what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to do something interesting, though. I think it might be one of the ones, a, a suggestion from one of the listeners. So. Excellent. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Valentine's Day, right, is uh, mm-hmm. coming up here real soon. It is. Well, I think what we're going to present to you, <laughs> you're going to look very differently at Valentine's Day after that. So, Hey, come on. Valentine's is, is my holiday. It might get replaced. You know. <laughs> I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.